It's an extra special edition of the Last King Podcast. We are joined today by Mr. Hids of the Genre Equality and Hard Hits Podcast as we discuss one of the greatest of all time, Mr. Stan Lee. We look back at his contribution to comic books and also to pop culture in general. Stay tuned. Welcome to another Last King episode. Uh, I am, of course, Dr. Shafiq. And guess who's back in the studio with us? Oh, it's Hits. <laughs> Hits this is of- Hits here from Hard Hits uh, Resting Podcast and Genre Equality Podcast. <laughs> Straight with the plugs and also my uh, adorable co-host. Mr. Toffee. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> I'm just waiting for my cue, you know? What? There's a little light. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice to know that sorry for that non secretary right there you're, you're breaking the fourth wall here you're making like this podcast seem more expensive than it is <laughs> you gotta keep up keeping. the money's gotta go somewhere right <laughs> what money <laughs> well anyway okay so this is a very special episode and uh, we decided to wait a little bit longer than usual to do this because I felt that it was necessary for everybody else to get this out of the system so we can write the the back end of the SEO <laughs> sadly <laughs> but okay but this will be a very special episode as we pay tribute to the man, the legend, Mr. Stan Lee. And I think it was high time that uh, we did this properly. And we definitely feel that it is uh, something that requires an entire episode to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, like you know, a good opportunity to bring a special guest as well. So mm-hmm. uh, let's start with Mr. Hits. Mr. Hits, uh, maybe how about you tell us, what was your introduction to Mr. Stan Lee? Right, um, I am in my early 30s right now. I, I, I didn't grow up reading Stanley, obviously. The, most of his comics came out in the 60s and the 70s and, and so forth. Lah. So I started out watching the animated series, the X-Men, uh, the Spider-Man animated series, the 90s one specifically. So I always saw his name uh, created by, or co-created by Stanley. Who is this guy? When I started buying comics, I used to go to uh, the comic book shop in Paileba and then, you know, the guys in the comic book shop, the older, my older friends would tell me who Stanley is, what, what issues to pick up, and who he was. Um, then I started actually buying them. You know, the ones from the 60s, the ones from the 70s. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I did find the storytelling a little bit corny. It wasn't of my time. Um, I guess storytelling had progressed past that, but I saw like the kernels of genius in there, like um, what he created and why it was significant and why it changed the game. Yeah, definitely. Especially from uh, what I had read prior, you know, the older Superman comics, the older Batman comics. This was different. This was grounded. So you started out in DC, actually? Uh... I mean, Superman, the, the movie was where I started. And then I started yeah, for, for a lot of us. For yeah. a lot of us, exactly, yeah. Uh, so that's how I started with comic books. But um, Spider-Man became my thing from the 90s onwards. Oh, he was, he's your go-to guy in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Spider-Man, the X-Men, for sure. Yeah. So wait, what is your opinion on Tom Holland, hey, Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man? What is my opinion on Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Just a tangent for a little bit. Um, I guess he is a throwback to what I always wanted Spider-Man to be. Mm. Uh, a guy who actually looks like he's in high school, not like a mid-30s, mid-western guy who pretends to be in high school. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Garfield. Or, or Tobey Maguire, which is the most egregious one. What? I like Tobey Maguire. <laughs> yeah, Tobey Maguire was a pretty good Peter Parker. He, he was. Sure he was. Let, let, let me explain. He was a good Peter Parker. He was a good actor. Look at actor. the guest here taking over the show straight away. <laughs> but he was a guy in his mid-30s who pretended that he was a 15-year-old kid. And he spoke with a Midwestern accent. Tom Holland, despite being British, actually has a good Queen's accent down. I agree. Yeah, he definitely... I'd s- argue with that, actually, considering that at that time, a lot of people were playing young folks. Exactly. Around the mid-30s or so. Yeah, yeah. I know. I grew up watching Beverly Hills 90210. They were all like... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How are you a millennial and you still remember Beverly Hills 90210? <laughs> I'm on the cusp. 
I was born in 86. So you just made, made the cut off. Just huh? made the cut off. Just missed that one year, <laughs> just right? Just missed that one year, I know. So I'll really? forever be labelled a millennial. You lucked into that, huh? okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Toffee? What was your first introduction to the to the greatness that is uh, Stanley? Well, for comics, it was actually, again, uh, X-Men and, yeah, Spider-Man. Like, I believe there was a run that Chris Claremont did for one of the X-Men books. I think it was... It was a trade paperback, I think. It was God Love, Man Kills. That was back in the 70s, wow. right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a... And then, after I read through all that, I was like, who is this Stanley guy and why is his name always on these Marvel books I read? So, of course, I had chatted with a few of my friends who were really into this history. Like, especially my cousin, come to think of it, because he's like... I think at the time when I was uh, 13 or 14, around the 90s, he was, he was, I think it was like 29 or so. He actually collected all these old comic books, like from the Marvel side where, I remember Nightcrawler was really, really black at the time, you know, like super dark, you know, like, and all the stories like with the Jean Grey, I mean the Dark Phoenix, all that stuff, it was really crazy stuff. And it turns out that, hey, apparently Stanley was a guy who sort of made this happen through and through. And I read through the older comics as well, when... I just went from fall, from like 90s to way back to like the 50s or even the 60s stuff. Like, obviously these comics were really torn up lah. Because, you know, my cousin didn't really know how to take care of his comics back then. <laughs> he kind of sold it for a mint, I figured. But anyway, yeah, when I just read all these things, it's like, huh, this is the DNA of how this all happened, you know? So, I guess when it comes to also the cameos, I believe I also, that's the first time I saw Stanley, like, the man in sort of like from this... One movie that Kevin Smith, it was Mall Rats. I think you guys seen it, right? Yep. Before? Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was the first time I actually seen the guy, like, ever. Like, I, that, I didn't know that guy was Stanley until he mentioned it, you know, like, until Brody mentioned that, oh my god, you're Marvel comic creator Stanley, and started talking about, like, whether the Hulk's penis is different or something, or. I think it was the thing, right? Mr. Fantastic's yeah. penis is also stretchy and stuff. <laughs> It was crazy. I think that's very much my introduction to Stanley. I mean, if you recall, point. right, especially in that cameo uh, appearance, right, like yeah. that's a very different Stanley because he was rocking the goatee back then. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. was a time when he was already retired from Marvel and do. I mean, he he was still getting paid. He was a uh, emeritus president or something. Like he was basically sure. the head honcho of Marvel without running Marvel, more or less. So he can do all these things. He's got free time. I mean, I'm pretty sure the royalty checks for Marvel going to Stanley's estate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pa- yeah. Pays for a lot of things, especially that awesome haircut. I guess yes. <laughs> it's always, always, yeah. Even like even up to his death, even it still looks good. He still got ro- rocking the mustache, the hair, and everything. Still looking good. Oh, a guy with at ninety five years old. At ninety five years old. Yeah, yeah. Ninety five. Ninety five. And only at ninety five, but still having all his stations in order. Like he could still hold the conversation. Like I have relatives mm-hmm. who are like in their seventies. Who can barely have a conversation with or who could remember anything. And here's a guy like, you know, 95, almost a centurion, right? Or is that the word centurion or centennial? Um, centennial? No, a centurion is an, another 80s cartoon about <laughs> man <laughs> and machine. I'm sorry. It was a guy in power armor and bikes. Let's not, yeah. let's not like, okay, d- d- divulge too much. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing to, to think that a man like at that point in his life was still, you know, basically just still a guy you know yeah yeah and he like he still had every he, he was still holding himself together mm-hmm. and i mean i think that's what kind of shocked a lot of us when he went because basically it's like he seemed to be so immortal like he was like definitely the kind of guy you always thought to yourself like yeah he, he'll live forever yeah <laughs> like look <laughs> at him in a way in a way he did in a way he did I mean, and i mean through cameos like... and through whatever okay but anyway uh my turn now. like my introduction yes, <laughs> my introduction to mr stanley was not through the comic books, was but through another kind of book 
It was um, okay. Speaking as an elder statesman of the Last King podcast, <laughs> yeah, I need to constantly remind people that I was born in the seventies. Sheesh! I'm an actual child of the eighties. I saw all of the eighties as a child. So, um, but uh, it was a present from my mom, and she gave me a storybook. And I'm pretty sure all you old school guys out there would probably relate to this. Uh, those old storybooks that came with little cassettes that mm-hmm. you kind of had to play, and it would read along to you as you flip the pages. And that was basically how I learned to speak English, in a way. It's basically basically when I read the word and I saw and I heard somebody pronounce it. Wow! And okay. I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna use this word. And what I didn't realize was like I was reading a Spider-Man storybook, and it was Mr. Stanley, who was narrating it for me. And the thing is, I knew it was Mr. Stanley because that's what he would do. He'd always introduce himself, being Mr. Showbiz himself. Like, hey, this is Stanley. Okay, in this Spider-Man adventure, he's gonna like like okay, cool, hi. Mr. Stanley. And the thing is, right, my, my poor little Asian mind was thinking, this Chinese man, Stanley Lee, has a very <laughs> strong American accent <laughs> or something. <laughs> because the thing is, when you see Stanley, you think to yourself, oh, Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, you, I had no idea what he looked like. For the longest time, I thought so too. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley of the Lee family? Of the Lee family, yeah. Bruce Lee, Brendan Lee, that dude. <laughs> Spikely. I was trying to Spike get mixed up. One of them knows martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> or thoughtful black movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but and, and the thing is, right. Uh, what also, like, you know, kind of uh, happened was, like, uh, especially during the 80s, there was uh, The Amazing Spider-Man and his, uh, like, Amazing Friends, that mm. TV show. And this is not, like, the 90s Spider-Man with the Aerosmith soundtrack. This is, like, the 80s one. With uh, Iceman and uh, what's it called? Firestar. 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 Uh, Firestar the, the sexiest of all the Teen Titans, <laughs> and basically, like Stanley would intro each episode. <laughs> it's like, and I remember hearing the voice on like on the TV, and I was like thinking to myself, where have I heard this voice before? Then I went back to the cassette tape, and like, oh, this Stanley, he he must do, well, he must be very rich because he's like talking through all this. <laughs> whoever this, yeah. whoever this, like you know, Chinese man <laughs> from wherever. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he he's, he's getting a lot of work. This is my like six year old brain or something. Right. Yeah, but, but then you're slowly piecing it together. And the thing is, yeah. like, once I finally got my first X Men comic back in the eighties, oi. <laughs> Before I was born, I think. Uh, <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> no, but like back then, it's like I would see the name Stan Lee, and then that's when I kind of pieced it together. Like this guy must be really important at Marvel. Yeah. One day, I too, an Asian man, shall create a comic <laughs> empire. <laughs> And unfortunately, the, okay, that position has been uh, kind of uh, taken by uh, Jim Lee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim Lee. <laughs> if you're speaking of another Asian man, like, you know, who has, like, who has a comic empire, yeah, there's Jim Lee. And also, like, yeah, but that's basically my introduction to Mr. Stanley. Like, I didn't know who he was, but I always heard the voice. And it became sort of like an avuncular figure in my life. Like, if, there was something very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very similar to, like, when you watch those old Walt Disney shows and he would introduce, like, the shows. Like, you just want to hear the guy for a bit. Or, like, even how Jim Henson would do the Jim Henson Hour. And before he would do, like, the actual show, he would just talk to the audience. Like, I mean, I mean, it's a... It felt like he was speaking to you personally, like, directly. Exactly. It was yeah. so engaging. Like, like the storyteller was just by your bed, you know, when you were a little kid. Yes. Like your dad or something. That is, that is why I felt... It was so... I don't know. I mean, b- being a young boy, it's like... It's very soothing to have, like, you know, an older gentleman, like, tell you stories. Mm-hmm. 
And I think like that's probably one of like uh, the most important things about Stanley because I mean through and throughout right, despite what everybody says about him like you know being a businessman first, being like um, like a CEO of a company, you know, but he in essence is a storyteller, and you can tell just by the way he addresses people, just by the way he interacts with people that he's a man who is willing to tell you anything, you know, and like yeah, a bit that was my introduction. Actually, when was the first time you seen his face, Shafiq? I mean, like, you know, when you saw Stanley with the moustache and the hair and everything. The first time I saw his face wasn't even a photograph. It was a drawing because there would always be... Remember, remember comics back in the day? They would have the editorial section at the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Stanley says or something. Uh, yeah. Stan soapbox. Something Stan soapbox and Stan stuff. soapbox, yeah. And then like, there was this one time they drew him out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was so disappointed he wasn't a Chinese guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was a white guy. It's <laughs> the original whitewashing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they coloured him wrong, right? <laughs> it's like not enough yellow. They're like Hawk's not grey. <laughs> no wait, he is. Oh okay. No, but then again, it's like uh I wouldn't see him until even much later. Like I knew about him and then like growing up as a teenager and then basically you no know, once internet culture arrived in my life in the late nineties or the mid nineties. And then also same with you, was like when I saw him in Mallrats, I immediately understood the reference. You know, and like it's that that geeky nerdy thing about yourself that 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 ownership when you're like, oh, I know who that is. That's Stanley. <laughs> you know, and like everybody else is like, who's that? That's Stanley. What did he do? Everything. <laughs> and there was at a point when geek culture was was truly underground and truly a niche thing. Yeah, uh, not like today where everybody knows who Stanley is because it's of the movies. mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very weird when people say they're a geek and then they're like, oh, I, well, how are you a geek? Oh, you know, I like Star Wars. A hundred billion people like Star Wars. <laughs> I know. It's not. It's quite mainstream. That's not very geeky. Yeah. But okay. geek is mainstream today. It has mainstream. yeah. I mean, geek chic and all that, which kind of occurred in the early two thousands. Correct. Yeah. Especially, but, like, I grew up at a time when like it was so uncool. Like I would get beat up, you know, for reading comic books or like uh, playing Magic the Gathering. Like, that that is what I think of as a geek club. Like. Oh my god! You play Magic the Gathering? Oh yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> What's your colors? Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, who hasn't touched it? I have yeah. a red deck here right now. Ready. I know. I was, I was, I was looking at it above your <laughs> on your shelf right now. Oh my god! That, that must have been the revised edition you have in your room, right? Or Me? Revised edition or the very first? Do one. you want to see an alpha black lotus? I can pull one out right there now. Alpha, alpha. <laughs> I'm one of those assholes who own an alpha black lotus. I'm not gonna tell anybody where I live <laughs> because last I heard it's like twenty or thirty thousand dollars right now, right? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm not letting oh. that go. I could buy a house. <laughs> like Bitcoin, please. I have old magic cards. <laughs> No, but still, revel- still relevant up to this day. Actually. Well, I don't know. I, I, what I heard now is like the beta black lotuses like sell for more. Ah, okay, but let's not talk about magic too much. <laughs> let's talk about another kind of magic. The magic that is Stanley and his contribution to culture. I mean, like I'm going to go around the table one more time. Like, Mr. Hits, uh, what do you think was his most significant um, contribution to pop culture in general? Um, I mean, he did a lot of things which I guess you guys will expound on. But the one thing that I really want to latch upon is his um, emphasis on social awareness in his stories, especially for um, children's storytelling at that time. Mm. Um, the X-Men was such a potent allegory for the civil rights movement going on in the 70s. Yes. Or um, any uh, form of oppressed minority, whether, you, whether you're gay or whether you're, you're black or, or any sort of thing. Um, Spider-Man was so down-to-earth and relatable. You know, he had homework, he had uh, girl issues, he had school issues, but at the same time he still had the, the weight of the world on his shoulders. So um, he felt like one of us. The characters that he wrote felt like one of us, like some guy that I would meet down the street. Um, and that's what differentiated his stories from, I guess, the other companies, like DC. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like definitely the point I would go off on is basically, I, I mean, I totally agree that how he changed the game was he did not make his superheroes gods or millionaires mm. or people who definitely stood above us in terms of like social or like economical, stat- uh, economical status. They were never elite. Yeah, they were never elite, exactly. You know, I mean, like, and the thing is, right, I mean, the thing about uh, superheroes uh, in general, right, it's all about basically, you know, power fantasies. Yeah, yeah. And like how he changed the game was he took it down to the street. He made Spider-Man your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm. He was basically the kid who lived down the block, you know, who lived yeah. with his aunt. And you didn't know that, you know, uh, the struggling student by day is actually, you know, out there fighting like Dr. Octopus by night. Right, exactly. And then you're always wondering to yourself, hey, Peter, why are you so tired? And like, ah, I, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like he made such, uh, I mean, uh, I would say strides in keeping his characters grounded. Keeping his characters, I would even say relatable, but I would say like, he told stories that we heard every day. Mm. And there was a very, I would say, there was an important familiarity to all of it. Because, I mean, in essence, like also going back on the X-Men, right? Not only was it an allegory for a civil rights movement, but it was an allegory for just us versus them. For like, Appreciating people's differences, or the demonization of the other, you know, yeah, which still I mean, happens today. And I also like the fact that that is such a universal theme because, like, um, pun intended, like even like if you were to like uh, compare it to like the X Men movies, where that is actually a, an allegory for gay rights, mm-hmm. you know, and like everybody was like complaining, like X Men isn't about gay rights, and then like <laughs> the scriptwriter, like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's about so- it's about rights. It's about Allowing people to just be whoever they are. That's the point. It so clearly is about... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is so much deeper than about mutants. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's like Brian Singer, like, you know, child deep. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sorry, oh, I didn't mean man. to bring that up. You just had to. I had to. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It's like hashtag me too, me three. <laughs> I think that groundedness of Spider-Man is... If you even realize, um, I mean, we all know who the bully is in the Spider-Man stories, right? Flash Thompson. Mm-hmm. He picks on Peter Parker, but he idolizes Spider-Man to the point where he joined the military because he wanted to be like a hero like Spider-Man. Mm. Without even ever knowing until later on that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same people. Yeah. And then even after knowing that, Flash Thompson, even after he got crippled and stuff, he still ended up becoming a superhero in his own right. Because I believe he ended up becoming uh, the next host in the Venom symbiote thing. So it kind of like was a story that evolved from the start up till now where everything's also kept grounded where Stanley's vision of Marvel just still stayed the same regardless of what, how, despite how progressive, you know, or how changing the times have become, you know? Yeah, but I mean, the good thing is like, as I said, like all his themes are very universal because you mm-hmm. can definitely like um, supplant them to any era. And you yeah. can definitely find something that, you know, we as a, as a minority are fighting against or fighting for. And like in other words, it's like I mean I would say this right for all of eternity right as long as humanity is as fucked up as it is right the X Men will always be relevant Spider Man will mm-hmm. always be relevant. A lot of people forgot that he created Black Panther as well before the Black Panther movement. <laughs> right. <okay>. So <laughs> yeah. I mean like let's just call it for what it is like yeah you know they uh, Stanley did it first. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He, did. <laughs> he invented yeah, Black, Black Panther Pan- was the sixties right was it before the movement? Before right? the movement there, yeah. there were yeah. Black Panther comics. Exactly. So we're wondering who got what from what idea. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, after the there Black some comic fans in the revolution, don't you think? <laughs> I think because of the Black Panther movement, he had to change the name of Black Panther to some other thing, right? Like the Black uh, Leopard or something. Black Jaguar or Black something. Black Jaguar or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, it wasn't Black Panther. Because he didn't want to be associated with militant black people? 
Uh, I think it was mostly because of corporate pressure to change the name. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be very hard, especially for how tumultuous the 60s were. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's very easy to understand, like, especially back then, right? I mean, censorship laws were so different back then. Yeah, there was the and comics the, code and everything. Like, comics code and everything, you know. And, like, it was definitely an outlet, but also at the same time, I would also say, like, it's also important that Stanley was always aware of, basically, what was going on with the world around him. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like maybe I mean like the only time DC did it well was the Green Arrow, Green Lantern, uh, the Brave and the Bold, right? The team up. I'm not too sure. Uh, yeah. um, the Green Arrow, I remember vividly, was this radical left wing anarchist. Yeah, uh, he was yes, all about yeah. the proletariat and all of that. Yeah, and yeah. then like basically, uh, the Green Lantern would tell him like, no, 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 I'm in charge of space. Democracy is the only way to go. Right, right. Yeah, and also it's like I would say like it was interesting to see that DC was reacting to Marvel that way. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like people don't understand, right? I mean, what people think of as DC now is like a floundering kind of, uh, you know, giant comic book company that has been bought over by Warner Brothers, and they're failing to launch their cinematic universe. No oh boy, repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly. You know, Aquaman's yeah. still coming out. Wow. At least their comics are still doing fine in the terms of like keeping to the whole archetype. Because that's what DC was, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, Marvel counted had to counter DC in different ways because. The archetype, you know, the godhood figure that yeah. Superman and Batman and uh, even Green Lantern set up to. You know, it's really, that was already yeah. established. You know, it was really. Oh, oh yeah, Wonder Woman too. Yeah, yeah sorry. And you know, it's really sweet. I like the fact that Bob Kane and Stanley were very close friends. Oh, were they? I didn't know that. They were. They. they, uh, they okay. There's like this amazing television show, uh, where basically I think it was called Comic Greats or Comic Book Greats, mm-hmm. where like I mean everybody has definitely seen the episode where Stanley chastised Rob Liefeld and Tom McFarlane. Right? Hilarious. Oh, we have an, ama- yes, an amazing have. piece of television history right yeah. there. But there is an episode where he invited Bob Kane on. Interesting. And there was this amazing, very old school kind of gentleman ribbing where they were just like kind of poking at each other. Right. But like my favorite moment was basically when they got each other to draw each other's characters. So like, how did that go? And it's like basically <laughs> how did that turn out? <laughs> and it's it's very cute because like it's like oh uh, like um Bob Kane would, would do his Batman and then like Stanley like could you do Spider Man and then Bob Kane drew Spider Man. Right. And then like Stanley would be like no no, no the web's all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not just straight lines it has to start from the center and then like Bob came like oh so that's how you do it huh okay. <laughs> no but there was this very sweet moment where they were talking about like who their favorite artists were right and then there was this uh, especially sweet segment right where they both did Popeye characters because they they were like showing each other like oh did you love Popeye I love Popeye and Stanley drew Wimpy Right, and then like Bob Kane did his Popeye, and then like there was this very genuine moment where Stanley like that's a good Popeye. Nice, <laughs> and it's like, I mean, Stanley always referred to DC as the distinguished competition, mm-hmm. you know. And the thing is, right, it's like basically the, the Coke to their Pepsi or vice versa, mm-hmm. because it's hard to imagine that like nowadays there's this kind of uh, this toxic fandom where like you're standing on DC or Marvel. It's like, but it's like back then it's like no, I read both. Yeah, we I, I'm a Batman to... fan. I'm also a Spider-Man fan, and yeah, you can't you can't be both. It's a groundbreaking concept does, that people still don't know up to this day. Which I don't understand. What was the the, yeah. the the tribalism that's so important right now when that's it comes to weird, property? A weird third entity when you actually think about it. There are those elitist comic fans that only read indie comics. Oh fuck them! <laughs> oh, that that, that 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 I think that was the late nineties, right, two thousand right. yeah, period that, when Image popped up. Yes, you know? exactly. Not so, just that. Like, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, Love and Rockets was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> so, oh, oh, and uh, DC had that Vertigo offshoot around that time, right? With Preacher, Preacher, right? Uh, Preacher, Sandman, uh, Watchmen, Sandman. and stuff. Were, I think Vertigo. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, what's the Marvel imprint? I can't remember right um, now. Was it Marvel Knights? The one with Punisher? The, the super gritty Punisher? Oh man, that was my favorite I think it was, Punisher. I think it was Marvel Knights, yeah. Uh, the Garth Ennis uh, yeah. Punisher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ennis, yeah. yeah. No, but I'm pretty that sure there was also like another, like, a, a different label. Ah, but okay, let's not meander too much about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this entire episode is definitely the pay tribute to the man, the legend that is Stanley. And uh, I would say this also, I mean, what do you think was the most quintessential Stanley thing right now? Like, amongst in his entire body of work, amongst all of his uh, characters that he created or co-created, mm-hmm. or e- even in his cameos, right? Sure. What would be the quintessential... This is Stanley in essence. Like, what do you think, Mr. Toffee? What, how would you say is the defining Stanley thing right now? Mm, that would be... Okay, along with his co-creator, Steve Dicto, I believe that his stand-up point was... Having Spider-Man deal with the Green Goblin. I mean, when, you know, he killed. That was also a time when the I Gwen think Stacy he... Death, right? The Gwen Stacy death, right? The Gwen Stacy death. And the fallout from there, more or less. Including, I think it was also the Spider-Clone thing that happened after that. Clone Sega, uh, I felt that, yeah. okay, apparently people, characters aren't safe anymore. Yeah. Especially when it comes to something as long-lasting as Spider-Man. You thought that that era itself where... You know, you know, it's that era people played safe. I'm sure some people won't die out of no- or nothing or have some... Gravitas and Patos attached to it, I was very wrong. I thought the 90s or the 80s comics had that. Apparently, back in the 70s and even the 60s, they had that stuff too. It was crazy, you know? And Stanley was the one who actually kind of pushed that going forward. Writing it, having that method, having those ideas being pitched, and then having an editor to sort it out more or less to make sure that the ideas sticked. I think that's about it from my side. I mean, there are actually a couple more, but especially the whole X-Men God Love Man Kills run, but... Apart from that, I think that part where, you know, Gwen Stacy, the one girl that Peter Parker kind of wanted or dated. The one that got away. <laughs> literally. Literally got literally away, got I got guess. Away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that, that really sucked for him, love. But at the same time, hey, open up a new avenue, you know, like the, spy, like the Peter Parker MJ storyline, which, you know, led to Venom and all that. You know, it's really... Anyway. Just to go off on your point, you know, it's really sweet because uh, I played the recent Marvel Spider-Man game for the PS4. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yes. The yes. Stanley cameo was so poignant. It was basically, yeah. there's Peter and Mary Jane. They've always been my favorite couple. That he, that line Aww. is like, yeah, that's what he always wanted, I guess, right? For like the two yeah. of them to always work it out. Huh? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, but for me, like what is quintessential Stanley, right? Is literally his, um, his brand, branding savvy. His ability to transcend the comic books because people like kids and your grandparents know who Stanley is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was probably like for comic books in general. Like, he gave it a face that was relatable, that was friendly, that was elegant and eloquent. You know, what I mean, like there was like this story I think he told on uh, basically this old uh, show uh, that was uh, hosted by John Favreau called Dinner for Five. Oh, right, yeah. yeah and that. there was this amazing uh, 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 panel. It was him, Mark Hamill, Jason Lee, Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams. That's before J.J. Abrams. Uh, this this, uh, this little-known guy we all <laughs> called J.J. Abrams. Like people knew him for... So this was like uh, before 2000, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think he was only known for Felicity or maybe even the beginnings of Alias at that time, but he wasn't... No, I think it was the, the end of Alias because... The end of Alias, okay. In that show, he did mention to the panel was basically 
Oh, I gave Tom Cruise the entire box set of Alias. Right. Now I'm directing Mission Impossible 3. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Kevin Damn. Smith was like, yeah, that's how Tom Cruise works. <laughs> 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 no, but there was this, like, uh, this, this moment, right, where Stanley was, like, talking about life as being a comic book art- uh, writer or be- being a man who worked for comic books, right? And there was this um, moment where he said, like, he would go to dinner parties and he would feel kind of ashamed of his job. Because he'll be hanging out with like doctors and like, uh, you know, stockbrokers, whatever. And then like, whenever people asked him, What do you do? Like, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, I write books. And then he would walk away. Right. And then, like, usually in these kind of situations, like, they will just like follow you and like, No, 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 no. what do you do? I write books for children. Oh, ha- have I seen any of this? And he, like, he was so humble. You know what I mean? Because he knew his place in the world, yet he did not realize what a contribution he would have made to the entire culture in general. Because, I mean, I, I'm i not the first guy to say this, right? But I think Stan Lee and definitely a lot of the co-creators, these are the authors of the new mythology. These are the new mm-hmm. gods for the next generation. I mean, like, like previous, like, you know, I, I won't even say generations, like previous civilizations, they had... Uh, Zeus they had you know Amun-Ra they had all these like fantastical things like you know okay Thor is still around (laughs) thanks to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby definitely but I would say this right like I would say like uh, Zeus would never ever have a standalone movie (laughs) but Superman movies will always happen there will always be a kid out there who will be introduced to this character. You know, and the thing is, like, that's it. Because I don't know what it is about Stanley or, like, you know, the kernels of genius as he puts it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, those that tree will grow forever. Oh, for sure. And it's a tree that we can always pluck from, from now till the end of time. Because I seriously believe, right, 100 years, 200 years from now, right, I doubt... People will know who Spider-Man is. Spider-Man <laughs> will still be a thing. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you can definitely say, right, you know what? 200 years from now, maybe another millennium from now, right? People are still drawing X-Men comics. Yeah. You know? And like, what... Might be different X-Men, but they still will be the same. The same themes, the same, you know, the whole persecution thing going on. Yeah. It's the same for superpowers even. Well, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, what about you, Hit? What do you think would be that one distinguishing, uh, like, that quintessential Stanley thing? Um, quintessential... Quintessentially, Stanley was always a man of the people. He always rooted for the underdog. Yes, yeah. and um, he created in what is, in my opinion, the most iconic line in, in modern literature, uh, which defines him. You know, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, which is such an everlasting line, such such a yes. such a wonderful line that that everyone can can resonate with, and and that to me is Stanley and what he stood for. Yeah, well, that was very succinct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even though it's been used a lot here and there, I mean, it's, it'll still stay on as like one of the better lines, you know, ever used for comics, more or less. I mean, again, like, how, how Spider-Man, you know, when he actually got robbed, you know, I mean, we all know the story of how, why he went that way, right? You know, like when Bat, when um, Uncle Ben got shot and everything after that whole wrestling match issue, if I recall. Mm-hmm. It turns out when he chased a criminal, yeah, it turns out that it was the same guy he let go yeah. when he was getting robbed and stuff, so... Peter Parker will always have that torment going on back and forth because I believe that was what Stanley and Steve Dicto wanted to do. Like, this hero, no matter what he does, he cannot have a free pass. But at the same time, you root for him as an underdog because he will never get that free pass in life. You're right, with right. that powers and everything. It's, it's the original sin of Spider-Man, which he, he can, he Thank can you, never yes. get past. Yeah. Um, just yeah. beautiful storytelling. It's, it's things like that that I really love about Stanley. Mm, I think also, I mean, okay, just to add on this point again, I also need to also 
mention this as something that is essentially Stanley was his work ethic because you have to understand right from 1960 whatever to 1970 whatever when he was actively writing for uh, Marvel Comics right you have to understand right the breadth of work that he put out and like it's comparable to the likes of like I mean the most uh, I would say prolific of all the writers I mean he would I think he surpassed Mark Twain Sure, yeah. In terms of volume, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. in terms of sheer quantity yeah. and quality. Sure, yeah. Like, people are saying, like, oh, Stephen King wrote 200 books. This guy churned out 10 books a month right. for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's so much, like, of that well that we can always go to. And, like, all these stories are definitely going to be just as eternal as he is. Because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there'll ever be a guy who could ever match. I mean, I don't know what he was on. <laughs> what fueled that passion or what was there cocaine in the Marvel studio that we don't know <laughs> probably <about? laughs> it and was the 70s you know everybody had fun look just look at the characters they created yeah. somebody must have been drinking something <laughs> yes admittedly so, those books in the 60s right like half of those books or even three quarters of them was basically exposition because he needed to retell the audience what was going on who these characters were so he always used to retell the backstory in the beginning of every book so that took up like about half the book yeah yeah that was just the way comics were written back then though i mean i also kind of miss that that too like you know nowadays where it's basically there's always this little caption at the bottom of the panel it's like oh editor's note whatever they're talking about you gotta refer to this issue of this comic book right yeah you know (laughs) and it's like like but like even before the marvel cinematic universe he built a universe Mm -hmm. you know he built a playground for all these artists and writers to just basically go in and plunder and just like you know elaborate and you know extend for themselves and also at the same time it's like I mean there's always this sense of play when it comes to Stan Lee where it didn't feel like he would control he would definitely like uh, guide I mean I mean I would say in reference to like that Rob Liefeld and Tom McFarlane video (laughs) yeah but he didn't tell them that what you're doing is wrong but he constantly kept asking them questions because he really wanted the best from his artists but you could tell that he didn't want to scold you he just wanted to kind of remind you yeah but this is what works you gotta like if you want the audience to care about this character Mm -hmm. you gotta be able to from the design from just basically you know the the, the clothes he wore like you know yeah yeah that you have to be able to create a person an identity an individual you know not just some like a guy in a suit or like like with the metal edges and everything. I mean, when you look at Overkill or something, you know, like they're big and muscular, but what is his backstory? What happens when he take off his mask his and take off his suit and go back home? You know? <laughs> and small sword inside the mask. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm also trying to imagine what he would make off of the world he created. I mean, if you think about it, right, like he lived long enough to see the fruits of his labor. Come to fruition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he's see, he's lived long enough to see different iterations of Spider-Man, like two oh nine nine Spider-Man, Noir Spider-Man, Miles Morales, right? Miles Morales, a black Spider-Man, yes. And he would definitely, Uh, and even a female Spider-Man, Spider Gwen. Yeah, he outlived. He lived lived long enough enough to see see all the variations of the things he created. You know, and and also May Parker. uh, MJ Parker, um, May Parker Junior. You know, like the alternate universe Spider Girl. Spider Girl. I like that run a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was cool. But also, the why, why did why did she come back in the Spider Verse thing? Yeah, what the hell? I mean, that's what you think is missing from the Spider Verse. I guess so. Wait, I is mean, Peter Porker in the Spider Verse? He is. Yes, he, he is. In the movie as well. He is. You you should be happy. Yes, yeah. you should be happy. He's back. 
Nobody cares about Peter Falcon. I care about Peter Falcon. His backstory is hilarious. <laughs> he was a spider that was bitten by a pig. Yes, so funny. I I wonder how they're going to bring it in the animated show next month. Yeah. I want to see him in the actual Avengers sequel. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he will. Yeah, sure since will they dusted off Tom Holland, right? I'm pretty sure. Like, if everybody can fall in love with Rocket Raccoon, people can definitely fall in love with Peter Parker. Exactly. You know how yes. how insanely offended people will be that they kill off Peter Parker and they don't replace it with Miles Morales, but rather Spider Ham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in con- it's in canon. You know, yeah, would, it is in canon. Yes. He's the one. Beat I would love yeah. to see the a CGI Peter Parker like talking down Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe Peter Parker was created around the eighties, right? Was he? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, he's when Sandy was around. Yes, he approved of the, this. The cocaine so, yeah, got way kinda... better than he's apparently, <laughs> yeah. I, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. But also, this... and don't, don't forget the. The cosmic universe characters like Galactus, Silver yeah, Surfer. Yeah, she created yeah. Galactus. Yeah. Yes. Uh, co-created. With, uh, okay, co-created. Yeah, Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like also that is like I would think that he had the the vision to see what lay beyond the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I mean, like as much as people would say, like, yeah, but you know, DC's got Dark Side and like the Land of Apocalypse and all that, right? Green Lantern and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it, like the new gods and everything. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, when you look at the Marvel universe, it's literally a universe. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's actually uh, different kind of god. I mean, godlike beings. I like call eternal. The inhumans or, and everything. Yeah, the inhumans. Thank you. Yes. Ah, inhumans also was another one as well. Yeah. The Fantastic Four villains turned heroes. You know, what I'm really sad about actually because the thing is right. There has been this long running uh, kind of fan theory slash rumor that Stanley in the Marvel Cinematic Cinematic Universe is one of the Watchers. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of yes, hinted yes. at that because in the Guardians of the Galaxy, I think the sequel, uh, volume two, they was yeah, they showed him two. speaking to other Watchers. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. are they really gonna go through with this? Because that would have been perfect. That would have been amazing, right? <laughs> that would have been explains that, why that, he's everywhere. That makes so much sense now. Yeah. Why he pops yes. up all over the place, but like, ah uh, man, I'm I'm just sad. I mean, like, there's also a little bit of a, I won't say callous, but I would say like, I what from what I heard, Stanley has like shot. More cameos for upcoming movies. Oh yeah, uh, at least uh, four or five more. Yeah, and then he will definitely be reappearing. So please, Marvel or whoever or Disney, I don't want to see a CGI Stanley. Speaking of cameos, right? What I what I, I don't think they would. Yeah, he would. They would never do the whole like uh, Tarkin thing. Right? They would get very upset. <laughs> uh, but he, I also have to point out that he also cameoed this year in a Teen Titans movie, Teen Titans Go to the movie. I haven't seen it. How is it? Uh, it's funny. It's really. Oh yes, I saw. I saw that cameo. Yes, I saw that cameo. It, it was yeah, a really funny explain. cameo, and I think Teen Titans Go to the Movies did what Deadpool Two did, but so much better. Really, it was a, it was you, a better version of Deadpool Teen Titans 2. Two. I mean, Teen Titans Go to the Movies over Deadpool Two. Oh yeah, definitely. A lot of movies over Deadpool Two. I didn't very much like that movie, but I agree with you. Deadpool Two was very much weaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. I, I love that Stanley was. He loved comics. He wasn't like a territorial or tribal like a lot of the fans are. Like I would never mm-hmm. cross over to DC. He he poked fun at himself. Yeah, I think yeah. in fact, I think in fact that was actually a run in the nineties where he actually did uh, imagine all the DC heroes in his uh, image or in his. Uh, Way of Marvel things, you know. Are yeah. you talking about the crossover universe where Batman and Wolverine combined? <laughs> I think it was after. I think uh, just imagine the just imagine line. I believe, yeah. I mean, at least it shows that yeah, he wanted to, you know. Hey, just because we're competition doesn't mean we have to hate each other and stuff, right? I don't so think he hated he, DC. You know, did the, did the, did, I mean, he had some free time and then did DC stuff. 
at the time. Yeah, because I, I seriously believe like Stanley always considered DC as the distinguished competition. Like he exactly, he looked at them yeah. as like a sparring partner rather than somebody he wanted to take down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. let me as I as I mentioned earlier, like he and Bobkin are actually very close friends. They like go to dinner and like their wives like each other apparently. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, I don't know if this is news to anybody out there, but I, I'm pretty sure somebody out there would have their minds blown right now. Like, what? <laughs> DC and Marvel hang out? Yeah, they do. <laughs> All the time. They have regular lives. I know. You know. Like when I when I mean I'm on Twitter, I follow all the writers now. All the all the writers from DC, Marvel, or in the Indies, they're all friends. They hang out with each other, they they follow each other's work. It's a very supportive, close knit community and it's the fans that kinda that's kinda driving them apart for some reason. I, I don't know. I mean like fans basically they it's everything's like pro, pro wrestling to them. They need to see their good guys and bad guys. They need to be part of team what or team whatever. Uh, yeah, it's very tribalistic. Which is very annoying. Track, yeah. You know, because it's like why can't we just enjoy everything? Like right here on the Last King podcast, we make fun of everybody. <laughs> yes, everything. Not nobody and nothing is spared. No, well, I don't know. Some things you shouldn't mention too. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. I've been cutting down on my racism recently. <laughs> good job. Good to know. Good to thank know. Thank you, thank you, everybody. <laughs> the last thing, no woke podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> never. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a that, maybe that's a bit too fast of an evolution. So I'm gonna now ease um, the fans into it, right? <laughs> yeah. Are there any other monumental things that Stanley has done in your point of view? Like when you experience when you read the comics or read the trade paperbacks of what Stanley has done and everything, or even the cameos as well. Like anything else that he. What was your favorite moment? There, you, know? you see, you want to see like our favorite moments? Like this was the one thing that we kind of yeah, yeah. want to like mention right now. Mm-hmm. I do have to say that outside of his actual comics, you know, the stories. Yeah, the, yeah even the stories too. The, the, yes. the, the, yeah. the stuff that really stood out to me uh, when I was reading those old comics from the 60s was Stan Soapbox and how he addressed every single fan. He wrote to them like he knew them. Man of the people. He was a man of the people, yeah. It's like literally a guy going to the to to comments and replying to everyone. I've never quite seen that before. And the way that he replied was so eloquent, so long-winded too. Like he went into detail with everything. Um... I think famously a lot of people have posted up this uh, picture before but a young uh, six, seven? Uh, six to eight year old George Howard Martin wrote to uh, a Fantastic Four issue and uh, Stanley replied to him and it was hilarious. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to imagine like the reply like what you should do you should kill all you should kill all of them yeah. <laughs> hey Mr. Stanley <laughs> I'm uh, writing a book George right R. R. Martin was actually replying to another fan who wrote in at uh, Fantastic Four 8 and this was Fantastic Four 14 so he was a uh, Jesus he, he was this kinda, is a long time ago he was like dissing <laughs> the guy who wrote in Fantastic Four 8 because he apparently didn't understand the themes and he didn't get it you know, etc and I got it Stan look at me <laughs> oh, it, was, it, was, it was that kind of record yeah George R. Uh, R. Martin, you're adorable. <laughs> George R. R. Martin, a nerd? You, you, you don't say. <laughs> really? The guy yeah. who wrote Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah. Now have sex with your sister. <laughs> like, alright, would Stanley go there? Nope. <laughs> I would say that, yeah, I mean, also we could also point out the fact that Stanley is very family friendly. He is very family friendly. Very, very, very family friendly. I mean, like, for me, another probably big standout moment was basically just... I don't know, I mean, apart from being a man of the people, apart from being a great storyteller, I love Stanley in interviews. You know, I mean, the thing is, right, I definitely, once I really got to know, like, the man behind the madness, and I just wanted to know more, and I just wanted to know, like, you know, what drove this person? Because, like, as I mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, in that one decade from the 60s to the 70s, just that output, right? It's like, it, I was always wondering, like, what is it that drove this man? And then, like, his answer has always been the same. It's always been the fans. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a guy who generally 
cares about the people who support him. Like, he understood, like, you know, his empire is built basically on a fanbase that loved him and a fanbase that knew that they, he loved them back. You know, and, like, just how appreciative he was, even till, like, you know, up, up to recently, like, I'm pretty sure he didn't just, like, appear in all these Marvel movies for a paycheck. I think he enjoyed it. He had a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, also, like, what Kevin Smith said, like, when he asked Stanley to do more rats, right, uh, Kevin Smith did say that Ke- uh, Stanley said yes immediately mm-hmm. because apparently he's such a ham. Like, he just loved to be, like, <laughs> just to do stuff like this. Right, yeah. Because he, he was literally the kind of guy who would be like, what? I want to appear in your movie? I say what? Sure, I'll be right there. He said yes to every Comic-Con appearance, every signing, everything that people asked of him. He was very amenable. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, he he was just like the characters he wrote. He was so relatable. He was so one of us. Like, and, yeah, and like yeah. I want to also bring up the, that, that episode of, like, you know, comic book greats where he and Bob Kane, and you can just see that genuine love for the craft. Where it's like, you know, it's important, like, you know, the characters need to be drawn a certain way so that they're recognizable or that... You know, like when you looked at him, like, oh, this, this is Batman. He look, he looks like a, like, you know, like a tough guy. You know, Stanley would say stuff like that, and he's like, he always paid attention to his art. He always paid attention to, like, he. It was always important to him that will they like this? You know what I mean? Which is a a huge responsibility for a lot of artists, mm-hmm. because like for a lot of artists, you either go the author route or you go the designer route. You either like do it for the money, or you do it to self, you know, uh, express yourself. But this is a guy. Who, like he did it for his audience you know what I mean he was and will always be like a great performer a great showman and he knew basically that somewhere out there it's important that they like this yeah you know what I mean and like that's what I, I would say would be really important to also mention that Stanley like he respected his audience you know because mm-hmm. it wasn't just a source of income it was just basically if they don't love it then he felt that he didn't do a good job like no, that's you know the the consummate professional right there, constantly. And like you know, I mean, I can't think of any other artist right now. I mean, you can say like okay, maybe Stephen King, maybe George R. R. Martin in terms of like, <laughs> are are they doing this because they want to like you know they want people to like this? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> George R. R. Martin is barely writing anyway. He doesn't care. He's making residuals off the TV show already. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. I don't think he even needs to finish the last book or the last two books he's doing, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. It's you know? about a few years away. I think he's waiting for the actual final season to come out so he can just do something different. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, well, who's going to buy these books if they already know what happened? That's true. <laughs> that is true. But also at the same time, it's like, I can't really think of a guy who was there for the fans all the time. I mean, and... his work rate in the 60s, let me tell you, he wasn't doing it for the money. There was no money in comic books in the 60s. Nope, there wasn't. Yeah. He was doing it for the Nothing. love of it. For 25 cents an issue? Right, yeah. You know, how do you survive? Mm-hmm. He was doing it out of pure love. And, and I think a lot of people didn't get that. Yeah, I mean, what about you, Mr. Toffee? What would be that distinguishing favourite Stanley thing? Uh, that's a tough one because uh, you... Yeah, because I just mentioned it like earlier on like when he was actually really happy to join in, join in different cameos here and there. I mean, again, the first time I saw Stanley's face was in that... In that in that movie, I saw Mall Rats and everything. Again, I don't. I I'm not. I, I don't actually watch many of these interviews like you guys have, but I do know that every time when he writes on the soapbox or even just does like a little bit for Wizard back in the day, like that that one uh, that one magazine that talks about comics. I think it was Wizard, yeah. right? Back in the yeah. day, yeah. when he actually put something inside there, it's like 
Yeah, this is coming from a guy who's who knows his stuff and everything, and he's real about it in a sense. So, I don't think I can add in more than what you guys have said. So there you go. Well, then maybe we should wrap up this episode. Uh, one final question, and we're going around the table one last time. So um, okay, uh, this is definitely going to be our eulogy to Stanley, and this will definitely be the one time we pay tribute to definitely one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no doubt about it, you know. Um, so uh, Hidza, being the guest on the show, thank you. I'll, you go first. I would say, like, here's a question. If you got a chance to meet Stanley, yeah. what would you say to him? Um, firstly, purely selfishly, can you take a picture with me? Uh, <laughs> of course you will. Yeah, of course I would. Um, <laughs> secondly, I mean, I really do want to thank him for everything he's contributed to my life. And, and a lot of times when artists die, or singers, or musicians, or actors die, a lot of people say they changed my life. But I really can't say this more tangibly than with a guy like Stanley. He really did change my life. I could not imagine my childhood without Spider-Man, or the X-Men, or any of the characters that he created. I can't imagine my adulthood without them. I'll be a totally different person. Oh man, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. As a, an owner of a geek podcast... Sure, yeah, they, they, I don't think there would <laughs> He's be... the reason we're around. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Let's just admit that also. I don't think that we would ever have gotten like my podcast, General Equality, or your podcast, The Last King. Without Stanley, I, I'm not even sure whether these podcasts We'd be probably be talking about sports or something. <laughs> Or baseball <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> hey, let's talk about politics. That's always fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> no <Yeah>. thanks. <laughs> How about yeah. you, Mr. Toffee? What would be if you had the chance to meet the man Stanley? Okay, the first thing I would do is could you sign my Spider Man lunchbox, please? Aww. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> okay, and the second thing, and the second thing is, I'm obviously going to say thank you for Spider Man, thank you for X Men. Thank you for, I mean, maybe not the rest of the heroes because I don't actually read them that much. Because Spider-Man, X-Men, they're my, my go-to guys whenever I want something to do, when I want to read something that's done by Marvel, when I want to actually have a reality check of things, and whenever I feel very depressed from real life, I like to have a bit of escapism, and nothing's better than, you know, reading like a bunch of issues of Spider-Man where you can go, yeah, you know, I he probably had it worse because he's got super villains chasing him while he has to make do with rent and, you know, his dealing with girl problems and stuff. Are you asking for love advice? Is that what you would say? No, 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 no. Not love advice. More like uh, life advice. <laughs> life, life advice. Yeah. How do we become you, Mr. Stanley? <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then, you have to create uh, Spider-Man. Just do that. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, just create Spider-Man, the X-Men, and all this stuff. And then, yeah, you can be just like me. <laughs> no small feet right create there. Create something. Create no something. pressure. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, okay, as for me, like, I don't know, I mean, he did affect my life uh, in ways that I didn't realize when it was uh, when I was younger, but in ways I did realize when I got much older. And I do understand that uh, he is definitely a, a titan amongst men. He was definitely somebody who not only created an entire world for anybody and everybody to come in and play and interact with and kind of make their own, right? And also at the same time, I mean, I can imagine everybody going to Stanley and asking him for selfies, asking him for autographs. He would do it. He would do every it. Every single time, yeah. yeah he would. And he knowing would. he would do things for his fans, the only thing I would want to do is like, I would ask him to draw me something. Yeah. I've never seen anybody really ask that and I would love to own, I mean, especially seeing as how, like, you know, when he would, would draw Wimpy or he would draw Popeye. It's like, he, he, I mean, he was not known as an artist. He's known more as a writer, more as a, basically a, a storyteller. But I would like to say, hey, Mr. Stanley, could you draw me Spider-Man? 
Like, you know, the, the way you would do it, you know? And I would just like to own that piece of history right there. Yeah. Like, I would like to just say to Mr. Stanley, you are the guy who not only changed my life and changed everybody's life, but also at the same time, right? Thank you for making a guy like me think that you can live, you can get a career, you can live a life based on just being imaginative, just being a creative person. Like, you know, you made it so, you validated so many of us. So many of us who wanted to be artists, so many of us who wanted to tell stories, so many of us who wanted to create worlds and create universes. You proved to every single one of us that it can be done, you know? And like, you know, success is totally up to you. Just go forth and conquer, young man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that, um, how you inspired all of us and how not only, we, we shouldn't just be thanking you. I mean, we should pay tribute to you. We should honor you in ways that we honor gods. You know, he, he is one of the few. And there will be nobody else like him. I mean, I don't think I'll be saying all of this to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just like, I would like something, like, I would like the creator to create something for me. It's just, just on a piece of paper. Just draw me a Spider-Man. I would love that, you know. You don't even need to sign it. I don't, I don't want anybody to know that you did this. I just want to own it. You know, I mean, like, when he, he, he passed away, right? It dented me in a way that hasn't... Uh, I would say it's almost on par with when Jim Henson died in my youth. Wow. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people have left us. Let me, uh, when David Bowie passed away, that affected me. When Kurt Cobain passed away, that really affected me. Lemmy from Motorhead, like mostly musicians. Right. You know, but it's like... Don't forget Prince. Goddamn Prince also. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, but it's like... Um, but these were the icons of my teenage life not really so much of my my early youth you know and it's like seeing how fallible humanity is that constant reminder to know that we our, our time on this earth is so limited mm-hmm. and he did so much in the time he had mm-hmm. and he got to just relax <laughs> you know <laughs> he retired early and he could see, like you know, the seeds of his, uh, his his work. It, it just everything just flourished before him. Yeah, going to a, a forest, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, and just like you know, that is, I think, the most important thing because, like, what Stanley did is he probably inspired a whole new generation of guys. Is like, it can be done. You know, draw, write, sing, compose, create, paint, code, whatever. Do what yeah, it is. Yeah, get off your seat and do something. Do something. Work your ass yeah. off. So like you know, he did he, what he did in ten years cannot be matched, but it doesn't mean it cannot be done. Yeah, you know. So I would say like yeah, you know what? Um, we should definitely be wrapping this up. We're all getting a little bit uh, teary eyed here. I don't yeah. want to end on such yeah, a sad yeah. note. Yeah, but I mean, that, I, I am very sorry that the last year of his life was so difficult. You know, with uh, his business manager stealing money from him and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he yeah. he shouldn't have had to face that in the last year of his life. It was it was terrible. But I will also say this right. It's nice to know that he can finally rest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like. I mean, your work here is done, sir. Yeah. It's, it's time for you to go onwards and upwards. Excelsior, Mr. Stanley. Excelsior. Thank you for everything. And if it wasn't for you, yeah, none of this. I mean, and literally, not just us, not our podcast, not just comic books, not just culture, but none of this. You know, because, I mean, one of the greatest things he's ever said was basically, it was important to entertain. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being an entertainer wasn't just a job. It was something that people need to be entertained. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he lived by that credos and like, you know, nothing but respect for that. You know, always and forever. So, I would say, I don't know. 
before we have to bring up tissues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about maybe let's just uh, wrap up this thing. So uh, I'm gonna throw it to Mr. Hits here. So Mr. Hits, um, where else can we find you again? Plugs time. Oh, plugs time. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the Genre Equality podcast. We talk about geek stuff, much like this: superhero, sci-fi, horror, all that jazz. Uh, you can find me more often actually on the Hard Hits Wrestling Podcast where we talk about pro wrestling, which is just as outlandish as uh, geek stuff. <laughs> and I also it's a different kind of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm also yeah. the film and TV editor for portwire.com.sg, so check out my film and TV reviews over there. Thank you. I mean, like you you can say the Last King is definitely like Marvel and like Hits is DC. Look at us <laughs> collaborating and just working so well together. Look at yeah. us invite another pop culture podcast on our show, right? and we don't feel anything. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, yeah. If you work together, we're all you colleagues can do it. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Mister Toffee? Anything you want to plug besides the last king? Let's just pl- let's just <laughs> plug this that's episode. We, I just, that's all I got. The last king. So, okay. Dude. Right, thank you again, Hits, for joining us on this very special tribute to Mister Stanley. Okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problems. Oh, and um, yeah, I also like the fact that you didn't leave any links for your plugs, so I'm pretty sure I need to add that in the description. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Thanks for giving me work. Mixed club backslash. I'm, I'm pretty sure we gotta add ads in here and there. So yeah. like, okay. Yeah. So uh, last king fans, um, definitely. Hey, if you got nothing to do, pick up a comic book. You know. Pick up Spider-Man Pick up X-Men Resumption. Pick up Superman Pick up yeah, watch, a, watch, a, watch a Marvel movie Watch Avengers Infinity War again Yeah it'll be on Netflix next month actually. It's gonna be on Netflix next yeah. month Wow And uh, okay. yeah, Check out those old Spider-Man cartoons From the 60s Or even the 90s one Or anything So okay we're not, Enough of meandering So this has been your uh, Co-host Ashafiq This has been Mr. Taffy. This has been Hits Excelsior Excelsior Excelsior